Sepsis, or the infection causing sepsis, starts before a patient goes to the hospital in nearly 87% of cases. Sepsis is a medical emergency. If you or your loved one has an infection that's not getting better or is getting worse, act fast. Get medical care immediately. Ask your healthcare professional, could this infection be leading to sepsis? And if you should go to the emergency room, learn more at cdc.gov sepsis. Support for Let's Fix Work comes from Greenhouse Software. Join us for Greenhouse Open 2019, a forum for recruiting and business professionals to come together to dive deeper into the transformative impact of great hiring. For more information, go to greenhouseopen.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Let's Fix Work. I'm Lori Rudiman. My guest this week is Dane Herdebees. He's the VP of Product and Platform at Greenhouse Software. This week, I'm super excited to talk to Dane because we're talking about moments that matter, whether it's in the interview process, the hiring process, pre-boarding, or onboarding, whatever moment you're in, in relationship to the world of work, those moments better be great, especially in our current talent-driven economy. I have not always had the best moments at work, and that's why I'm running a podcast right now and not back in human resources. But I think about my career and how it could have been differently if at any given point, the recruiting process would have been amazing or the onboarding process would have been healthy or somebody would have grabbed me and said, we know what we're doing in HR is dysfunctional, but hang on, hold on tight because there's going to be a point where you're going to have a little bit of power and you can change things. At one of my very early jobs in human resources, I showed up for work on my first day and I had this boss named Sandy and I was so excited. I was wearing my best outfit. It was these gray pinstripe pants with a matching gray sweater because it was like 1998 and that was in at the time. Sandy buzzed me in and I was super excited to get my day started and she took me to my workspace and it was at that moment that I realized I had not met a single one of my coworkers in this job. I'd only met Sandy and her boss and her boss's boss. On top of that, other than a few conference rooms, I had no idea what I was walking into. Like I did not know what the inside of this company really looked like. So I get buzzed up to my desk and Sandy takes me to it and it's four desks in a dark conference room. And it's going to be me, this guy, Brandon, who's my peer, and two other coworkers, and we don't have a window. Furthermore, Sandy takes one look at me and says, you know, Lori, we're so glad to have you here. You're going to have a fantastic first day. And Brandon is going to run point and take you through all the paperwork and get you situated so you can log into your computer. Then Sandy disappears. Brandon takes one look at me and goes, follow me. I can clearly see he's not happy. And we walk down this long glass corridor and I think either I'm going to meet the CEO or I'm in a horror film. Turns out I'm in a horror film because Brandon sits me down and tells me the lay of the land. Basically, he's got no time for me. This is not something he signed up to do. And he's going to help me open the binder. He's going to verify that I'm a US citizen and then I'm on my own. The rest of my first day is downhill from there, if you can believe it. Like, I don't know where the bathrooms are. I'm not sure how to get back to my office. You know, the office with the four crammed desks inside of it. The whole thing could have been a moment that mattered. And instead, it's really an anecdote that ends up on a podcast about broken work environments. That's why I'm so excited to talk to Dane Herdebees today, because he is really passionate about fixing work and what I just described is absolutely unacceptable to him. Work is broken, and so is the way you think about it. 
Host Lori Rudiman is picking up the pieces so you can take control of your career, put yourself first, and be your own HR. With the Let's Fix Work podcast, here's Lori. Hey, Dane. Welcome to Let's Fix Work. Hey, Lori. How's it going? Oh, man. It's going great. It's been forever since I've seen you. Are you still in San Francisco? How's life? I am. I'm in San Francisco calling you from New York. Life is great. Oh my goodness. Typical business traveler, right? (laughs) Isn't that how it always goes on the road, doing deals, all that kind of exciting stuff? Well, tell me, you are at Greenhouse and you're one of the people in our society that I think we really love and we want to emulate. You are an entrepreneur and a founder who's been acquired. So maybe we can get started today by talking about who Dane is and what you do for a living. I appreciate those kind words. I have been fortunate enough to be entered into the world of HR tech a little over 10 years ago, right around the time of the financial crisis. And as folks were trying to make sense of the new landscape, they were out trying to figure out what new jobs that they could get. And a lot of my funds were struggling to get noticed. So what I did was started working on resumes. I had a good template and was doing drafts. And they were getting success. So they were telling their friends of friends. And then turns out that became too much for my inbox to handle. So being the engineer that I am, I ended up creating an application that helped the resume process. And this was really just the entry point for me into thinking about companies and the relationship between employees and their employers. Now, Larry, I'm a millennial. And the way I think about work is a little different than the folks that I work with. I'll read the reports. Um, my generation has had three, four, five, ten jobs by now. And I think part of that has to do with, again, our, our relationship with our employer and how there was really this disconnect and what our expectations were when we showed up to the workplace. And in contrast to that, to all our schooling or our relationship with our friends. And this kind of set me down a path to think about all the different crucial moments that happen in someone's life as an employee. Things like termination, relocation, promotion, and of course, onboarding, which is what you alluded to earlier. These are kind of all the moments that really matter, the ones that you tell your friends and your loved ones about. And that's what really got me interested into onboarding. We are all in this really jacked up moment of work, not just millennials, where many of us have had, no matter what age we are, 10, 11 jobs. And the covenant that we used to have with our employers is broken. One of the things that I love about you, Dane, is that you're a little bit more optimistic about what an organization can offer right from the get-go, from the moment a recruiter or a head of talent interacts with a candidate. From what I've garnered speaking to you, you really think about that process differently. You think about it more optimistically and you think that there's a better way to do it. So can you talk a little bit about those early moments that matter and what you're doing to fix them? Certainly. I I think you're right. I think there's all of these opportunities for the recruiter, for the talent team, for the, the people team to engage with prospects, candidates, new hires, tenured employees that we sometimes miss. And I don't think it's the fault of the people teams. I think historically speaking, people teams have had a lot of administrative work to do and a lot of risk mitigation. And with a lot of the tooling that has kind of sprung up in the last two decades, we've been able to get to a point where we can look beyond the paperwork and policies and really think about 
what is the experience that we want these people to have? What is, again, the relationship that we want to endure? And to your point, if we're having 10 jobs or more in uh, the short lifespan that we have, we want to be able to make those moments really matter. Because when you leave the organization, what are you going to say about your time at that company? Are you going to say great things? Are you going to say okay things? Or are they going to be disparaging? And so I, I think really there's a, a moment of feeling and empathy that we can capture and create and build trust with these folks. So specifically, when I think about the candidate, how are your recruiters engaging in a way where the candidate doesn't feel like they sent their resume to a black hole, that they're actually being heard and have clear expectations as to what the process will look like. And that if they don't make it, that they still feel like that they were taken care of. And you can see this pretty clearly if you read folks' companies' glass door accounts and thinking about the candidate experience. There are candidates who say, hey, I ended up not getting a job at this company, but I really felt like they treated me with respect. And there may have been something that I didn't have that they were looking for, and I'm okay with that. That's such a different experience than somebody who says, wow, I applied and it's been six months. I never heard anything back. Which is the norm, I think, in today's society. I love that you have really tackled this idea of onboarding. And so I wonder if you can tell our listeners what onboarding is and maybe what bad onboarding looks like and what good onboarding looks like. I love the question. Good onboarding is actually a pretty tough question. When we first started thinking about onboarding deeply, we went around and asked folks, what are all the different parts of onboarding? Whether it's handing out your paperwork and policies, it's meeting new people, it's learning the ropes of the systems that you're going to be engaging with. What are the expectations of your role? We mapped this out in chronological order and saw some pretty stark patterns. What we ended up realizing is there was three different development cycles that were really happening in parallel, but the emphasis of each were happening at different times. So specifically, there was personal growth. And really, the personal growth was to get this employee to a point where they were a master of their role, where they were able to be proficient and eventually teach other people. There was this process of group immersion, where when you first join any organization or any group, the first thing you're doing is just trying to remember people's names. But eventually, you want to develop meaningful relationships. And ultimately, can you mentor other people with inside of the group of the organization to be at the same point you're at? And lastly, it's embodying the company or the organization's values. And can you be an advocate for this company's values externally when you show up to a conference or when you're talking with your family or your friends? What are the values that you're able to talk about and live and breathe? I think those three cycles are really what constitute good onboarding. So when someone says, oh, my onboarding program is three weeks, three months, or a year, I don't really think there's a time element to it. Time is a part of it, but that shouldn't be the judge of what is good onboarding. Wait a second. I thought good onboarding, and I'm not even joking around here, is making sure people get all of their stuff submitted on time so that on the first day, they can be efficient 
and start their jobs. Like if I work in human resources, for me, my goal is to make sure that all of that compliance stuff is done as much as possible before day one. So I don't have to lock someone in a conference room for half a day and go through like their benefit paperwork. And on day one, optimally, if I'm the HR business partner, I would love to be able to hand that individual over to the business unit and say, here you go. Here is your new employee. Is that short-sighted? I would agree that it's short-sighted. I would say that what you described is really more orientation than onboarding. Onboarding to me is that full development of the individual in the organization to be productive, happy, and a good citizen. The other part that you described is really pre-boarding. And that's kind of a newer term that I've heard bounced around. But that's really the space between when the offer is signed and the first day. It could be two days. It could be six weeks, depending on if the person is leaving their prior job or is moving from a different location. There's an opportunity there to actually ramp them up so that when they show up on day one, one, their computer's there. And two, they have some expectations as to what their job is. Then that's when onboarding really kicks in. And that's when you need to level them up on, again, how to be a good citizen within inside of their organization. Hey, everybody, Lori Rudiman here. You know I like a good conference that focuses on HR professionals and talent professionals as members of a community. That's why I'm excited to tell you about Greenhouse Software's conference called Greenhouse Open 2019. It's a forum for recruiting and business professionals to come together to dive deeper into the transformative impact of great hiring. This year, Greenhouse is celebrating the talent makers, people like you who have figured out how great hiring drives business growth. There will be panels, there will be case studies, and sessions that are interactive with workshops that will offer new perspectives and hands-on experience on the most important talent topics. I am so excited. I'm going to be there leading a panel. And to learn more about Greenhouse Open and to register, visit greenhouseopen.com and enter Fix Work for 25% off your ticket. That's greenhouseopen.com and enter Fix Work for 25% off your ticket. One more time, greenhouseopen.com with the code Fix Work. Sure, that makes sense to me. So is that the responsibility of the people function, the human resources function? Or is that the responsibility of the business? Or is this... a The answer is always it's collaborative. But I mean, really, is it? Does HR have a role in this? Or are there software solutions, programs, policies that we can remove from the people function and embed within the business to make sure that it happens and that business leaders are accountable for it? I think you're right. It is a team effort. And I don't mean that to say that it's just, to your point, the people team. It really is everyone. If you think about it, if I'm an engineer and I'm joining the product engineering team, I have a whole bunch of peers, presumably, that care about my development and care in making me a part of their team. That's onboarding. The hiring manager has a responsibility to make sure that I'm a successful person with inside of their team. Other teams have a responsibility to make sure that I feel like I have a sense of belonging and my cross-departmental projects. And of course, the HR team and the IT teams have a responsibility to make sure that I'm set up for success and that I know the right people across the company when I join and when I am developing across that company. But it really does start at the very top. If the senior leadership doesn't believe that this is an important thing, then it won't get done. And it needs to happen at a 
deep level. They need to understand that there's a lot of care and commitment that you have to make to your company in order for all of its individuals to be successful. As far as software, I think a big part of it is taking best practices and turn them into a way that's scalable. That to me is some of the best software that's out there. And when I think about Greenhouse, one of the things that we do is that's our bread and butter for a recruiting product. It's taking the best practices of structured hiring and turning it into software that recruiters across the globe can use. For onboarding, it's the same thing. We want to take best practices like developing out strong, achievable milestones and enabling new hires to say, Hey, I didn't get my computer. Or better yet, Hey, I don't feel prepared to be successful in my first project. That all makes sense to me. And I think this is a really optimal way of thinking about somebody's first, I don't know, two weeks, two months, a year on the job. And I just wonder what's next because you've done some really good work in the world of onboarding and the world of recruiting. I mean, Greenhouse Software has a fantastic reputation. And by the way, I'm super honored that you're sponsoring my podcast. So thank you very much for that. But I mean it anyway. You know, I've been in love with your organization for many years. Dane, you and I go back quite a way now. I just wonder, like, what is the future of all of this? Because we're really using technology to hopefully enhance the employee experience and the candidate experience. But where do we go from here? There's only so much that software can do. Or is there? Can we still innovate more with the current tools that we have? Well, what's exciting about where I sit is I get to see a ton of innovation. The vantage point is that I run the team that manages our now 275 integration partners. 275 folks who have connected to our recruiting and onboarding product with all sorts of different types of solutions. These range from your background check providers and referral checks to strong sourcing solutions and AI and machine learning. It really kind of stretches the gamut. And that's one of the things that we fundamentally believe at Greenhouse is that we as Greenhouse aren't going to be able to solve all of these problems. In fact, we shouldn't solve all these problems. I think that's the... Now having been in HR tech for a little while now, that's one of the constant temptations of running an HR tech company. There's always problems that we could solve for. So our theory is, well, why don't we open it up and allow other companies and other products to build with us and create a tech stack that really is customized for each of our customers. If you're a global organization that has very specific needs, that'll be really different than a 50-person startup that's just trying to get off the ground. So when I think about the future, I think there's kind of three areas that I'm really excited and, and I'm seeing across our ecosystem. The first thing you already pointed out, it's a candidate experience. It's been a black hole. It's been really reactive. So how do we enable people teams and leaders across the organization to be more proactive with the candidates that are coming through their process. The second, which I spoke to, which is around the tech stack. How do we decouple this monolithic system that we've all been used to and really empower companies to pick and choose the technology that's going to be right for them and for their growth? And lastly, it's DEI. We're just not serving marginalized communities in the best way yet. We've been talking about it as a top of funnel problem, but it's a pretty holistic, systemic problem that I would like to continue chipping away at. 
Well, I'm so glad you mentioned DNI because this is a problem and an opportunity for organizations to really include people who are a part of our community and yet are not participating in the workforce in a fair and equitable way. And I know one of the really great things about Greenhouse is that this is an issue that's, you know, core and critical to the way that you're thinking not only about technology, but just about the future of work. And you have a conference coming up called Greenhouse Open. And DNI is not just one little small, teeny tiny tract. I mean, it is interwoven into the way that you've built your curriculum for the couple of days that we're all together in New York. So can you talk a little bit about the event and what someone can hope to see if they decide to attend? I appreciate that. You know, the truth of the matter is a lot of conferences aren't very good. Uh, I personally... (laughs) Wait, wait. uh, I'm I'm laughing because... Can you say that again just to clarify for everybody? You really say HR conferences aren't that good. Um, Not just HR. I think generally speaking, it's tough. You go to a conference and the expectation is that maybe the person or the company that's hosting it, it's all about them. And I feel like it's a really big miss. If you're building software, you have customers and your customers are your community. And so when we think about open, we really try to think about it that way. Since you've gone to our prior events, you probably have seen we don't have a big presence of, hey, this is the newest product that we're going to be releasing or here's all the new features that we released last quarter. It's a lot about what are the problems that are happening in HR that we can collectively talk about. Let's bring some really smart people together and have a good dialogue. Man, I can't agree with you enough about the conference scene. I think many times there are these events that are user conferences and they do bring smart people to the table, but it's just an opportunity to sell, sell, sell. And I wonder if there are any speakers or any tracks this year at Open that you can think of that you would like to highlight or tell people about as an example of some of the really great conversations that are going to happen. Certainly. Well... You're even speaking at Open, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I am. I've got a panel <laughs> and we're talking to kick-ass individuals about the entire workforce and talent, not just full-time talent, but all talent, you know, whether you're a contractor or, you know, somebody who does specific tasks for projects, your experience at work should be positive and affirming and meaningful. So we're gonna talk about that. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for that, Dane. I appreciate that. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. I'm I'm excited to hear it. Well, good. I'm excited to be there. As we start to wrap up the conversation, I think about all of the founders and engineers that I've interviewed on Let's Fix Work. And there have been quite a few actually. And I always wonder why you're in human resources technology, to be honest. Why aren't you working in financial services and cashing out and like skiing? Because <laughs> that's what I think the stereotypical engineer would want to do, right? You want to make as much money as you can solving a problem and then exit. And that's not your path, Dane. You've done it a little bit differently. So why do you do what you do? I appreciate the question. I have found that I care deeply about people. And I really, really want folks to have meaningful lives. And a big part of having a meaningful life is resonating with the work that you do. And what better place to start than to continue creating the right power for people who enable people to do what they love. Well, I love it. That's certainly an earnest answer. And it sounds honest. I hope you feel that way if you work another 5 years in the HR tech industry. 
it's been 10, so we'll keep it going. <laughs> well, good for you, Dana. I really appreciate you coming on Let's Fix Work. And if people want to figure out if Greenhouse has a place in their tech stack or learn more about you or your organization, where could they go and what should they look out for? Like you go to our website, greenhouse.io. I would also encourage you to check out our upcoming conference, Greenhouse Open. It'll be in New York in June. And I would look forward to having you be a part of the conversation. Well, that's pretty fantastic. Are you open to connecting on LinkedIn? Because there are plenty of people who listen to Let's Fix Work who love connecting with guests on LinkedIn. Is that something you're willing to do? Yes, that'd be great. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, listen, thanks again for being a guest. And it's just a pleasure seeing you. And I'll see you in a couple of weeks at the conference. Sounds good, Laurie. See you soon. All right, everybody, sit tight. We'll be right back right after the break with more Let's Fix Work. All executives need to be podcasting. Podcasts are the number one way for executives to create an authentic and trusting relationship with employees and potential customers. That's why my producer, Danny Osmond, just did a three-part series on why executives should be podcasting. Want to give your company a brand or a face? Want to connect with current or future employees? Are you interested in pivoting out of your current position and into a new career or personal brand? Well, if you're an executive who is podcast curious, head on over to dannyosmond.com forward slash executives and learn how a podcast builds credibility, how podcasting gives you a leg up against the competition, and how a podcast can power a speaking career and help you write a book. Don't worry about finding the time to listen. Each episode is less than 10 minutes and Danny has put all three episodes in one place. Head on over to dannyosmond.com forward slash executives to listen and find more resources. That's dannyosmond.com forward slash executives. Hey, everybody. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Dane Herdebees. I'm so excited and honored that Greenhouse Software is sponsoring Let's Fix Work. So please go ahead and look at the show notes, learn more about Greenhouse Open and visit greenhouseopen.com and use the code FIXWORK for a 25% off discount. Let's Fix Work was produced by Danny Osmond of Emerald City Productions. And as always, Danny just makes me sound great. If you're curious about podcasting, don't forget to reach out to him. He's super helpful and has a ton of free resources that'll get you started and not waste your time. If you have any feedback for me, hit me up at hello at letsfixwork.com. And if it's good feedback or maybe even bad feedback, I will certainly answer and respond pretty quickly. Now that's all for this week's episode and I hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you next time on Let's Fix Work. If you're ready to make a real change in your workplace, start today by number one, subscribing to Let's Fix Work on the Apple Podcasts app or iTunes or Stitcher or Android or wherever you listen. Number two, write a five-star rating and review. And number three, share it with a friend, colleague, or coworker who you think would enjoy our episodes.